You're listening to the Just Giants Podcast with Grump and the Cranky Fan. Be sure to listen for free on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and Podcast. Again, the play fake to Penny. Jones with time. Goes for the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by Darius Slayton. Welcome back to Just Giants with Grump and the Cranky Fan, the best damn podcast for the best damn football team. I'm your host, the football grump, and with me as always is Mike the Cranky Fan. Grump, it's your daily reminder that is the second week in December, or first week in December, and we still have meaningful football for your New York football giants. Let's remember that before we talk about anything else on this show or any giant fans get ready for the game Sunday or anything else. You tell me at this time last year that on December 3rd, whenever we are, you're listening to this on December 4th, We'd be talking about a meaningful football game. So Thanksgiving just happened. We are counting our thanks. This is one of them. Yeah, I, I can't remember the last time I was excited to hang a Giants ornament on the tree, you know. <laughs> I, I, I hope – I understand you. I hope everybody else does too. Um, By the way, Grump, do you get those ornaments every year from uh, – I forget what company does it. Those nice like porcelain, like Giants ones where it's – a Santa Claus with a giant hat where he's in a plane or he's in a uh, uh, fire engine or something. Do you get those? No. Oh, I have now, I think going on 15 years, I have a different giant one and a different gator one. I, I could have my whole tree decorated in giant gators ornaments, but uh, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, <laughs> I've gotten like hokey gifts before. I've gotten um, like giant's gnome things that are just like mm-hmm. statues just garbage for me I, I, don't <laughs> I don't collect any of that stuff it's like oh thank you i'll put that up it, and then after it's like one of those things i think 15 years ago i thought they were cool and they just every year they come around august 1st and then the bill comes on august 2nd yeah. i'm just like <laughs> okay so now i have this a ginormous box of you know 30 plus ornaments that are all they're all they're really nice too uh you know well, maybe you it's santa claus away. I'm not giving away my shit. Forget oh, that. All right. Jeez. Okay. Wow. <laughs> uh, maybe you'd want to do something. No. What do you think this is? The holiday season for giving gifts? Fuck that. <laughs> my gift to you is you get this show twice a week. You get our the ghost of I can't, I can't wait for this version of the the ghost of Christmas past with you, Ebenezer Cranky over here. <laughs> um, the bad news is you know we are playing meaningful games in December, but. Last week's win came at, at quite a cost. Uh, late in the game, if, if you had a didn't have a concussion for the last week, you understand where I'm going with this. Uh, Daniel Jones goes down with a hamstring injury, had to leave the game, tried to play, two different plays, it wasn't happening. Uh, I know that we're getting some reports from the Giants beat that Joe Judge hasn't ruled him out and he's working out on the side with trainers. I'm going to put it at a 99.999% chance that he is not going to play. Um, I don't know if he'll be active or not. I'm going to think probably not, but maybe a little less. Like maybe it's just a 98% chance that he's going to be inactive. Quite honestly, he doesn't need to play this week. This is not a do or die week. And I think if you look at the schedule and if you have a rational brain, you would think that, you know, like we do in the middle of the offseason – 
the coaching staff probably had this one a loss, probably in a loss in Penn. Going to Seattle, this isn't the same Seattle team that we've dealt with in the in the past, but they are still a playoff team with a very dangerous quarterback. And we are, you know, we're all giddy that we are in first place and we are playing meaningful football. We are not in the same league as Seattle yet. So it's not the end of the world he's not playing this week. We'd rather have a healthy Daniel Jones for the final three games when those games are important. So it's not – don't freak out that he's not playing and don't think that we're blowing an opportunity because chances are we probably would have lost this game anyway. Right. Um, I would say it, it's great that we're playing meaningful football, but we are in the marathon mindset right now and not the sprint mindset. Um, for, we don't need to win out to get into the playoff. Normally with our record, we would have to win out to get in at 9-7 and seven or something like that. Right. We are luckily in a division full of losers. We have a rebuilding team and two teams that are, are dealing with heavy injuries that have caused them to suffer significant losses throughout the year. And teams that have equally difficult schedules. Nobody has a cakewalk. Everybody has to deal with pretty much you know, two very difficult games and two games that are winnable, but nobody has a I mean, cakewalk. They're also, they also have to play each other. We That's are true. thankfully almost done with our division. We only have one division game left. The games that we are considering winnable games are against each other. So it still, in some ways, benefits us in a very close division. I mean, whoever loses just falls further behind. Right. Um, so it's it's okay that Jones can't go for this game. Um, you know, it, it, the, the, these, this is sort of like a um, calm down week. Uh, as you sit back and watch this might be a little bit of and I know it's hard you're going to watch this game and you're going to be rooting and then when things go wrong you're going to call that guy an idiot and and why did we call that play and let's fire Gettleman again let's start that all over again I mean I I, I get that you are going to be a competitive fan watching this game and that's something that you'll probably never lose as long as you are invested in a team and in sports and all that other stuff and that's fine Um, but when the game is over and you take a step back and you look at the division and you look at the remaining schedule, just you'll see that even if there's a loss, um, we are still in a great spot to win the division and go to the playoffs. And again, that's still that's the goal every year, but the long view goal of this team was to see significant improvement trending in the right direction from week one to week 17. A loss this week without your starting quarterback is not at all hindering that, which is what we're aiming for. This isn't our our home run shot to Tampa or wherever the hell the Super Bowl is this year. Las Vegas? Where the hell is it? Tampa. Yeah. It's in, Wow, I just pulled that out of my ass. Um, <laughs> this isn't our home run shot to Tampa this year. You know, this is just – it's it's happenstance that we are in it for the playoffs this year, that we've – Managed to land in a division the way we have and whatever. So that's kind of where we're where we're at. Things could be worse. I mean, you could be you could be Dallas. You could be Philadelphia. Philadelphia is in a terrible spot right now. Their quarterback isn't hurt, but just about everybody else is. And they had their team and and contract structures. Their roster structure was to win to win now. And what I mean by that is they're not winning shit this year. Even if they even if they make it to the playoffs, they win the division, they move in. They're not going very far. And next year, with a cap that's probably going to take a dive, 
they are going to have to lay off a whole lot of high price guys, high talent guys, and they're going to be in a shitstorm. They have a ton of decisions to make, and one of those decisions starts with their starting quarterback. The other one's going to start with their head coach. Yeah, well, I mean, head coaches, head coaches are kind of come and go. That's not as big a deal. Like the the uh, the investment of a of a quarterback and the money that's spent on a quarterback, and you know that that stirs the drink more than a head coach. And they have to think about that too. Yeah. So, I mean, again, the long view of this game is always going to be, of the season is going to be improvement from week one to week 17, trending in the right direction, looking like a competitive team in the NFL, which we have not been for the last couple of years, not since 2016. We are now aiming that way right now. And that's what we're looking for. We want to finish the season strong. So, if this game is a win or a loss, it is what it is. So now that I've just hit you with that great pep talk about how we're <laughs> yeah, this game, kill I can actually go into how this game could be won. I mean, for starters, when we talk about the injury list, yeah, I know Daniel Jones is hurt and he's your starting quarterback and he's probably not going to play. But other than that, we're relatively healthy right now. I mean, our injury report now is the same guys it's been all year with just nagging injuries that have been limited. Darius Slayton with a, a foot injury. Sterling Shepard with the the turf toe that he's just been nursing. He's just going to have to. Uh, David Mayo has got a knee. And uh, Nate Ebner is a little bit banged up with a knee. Other than that, it's just Cam Brown who is has an illness, a non-COVID illness. You flip side, look at Seattle. I, I had to scroll down my web browser to hit every single person that's listed on the injury report. Now, a lot of those guys are full practice, but... It's an extensive list. Brandon Shell, Travis Homer, Trey Flowers, Carlos Dunlap, Dwayne Brown, Jordan Simmons, Kyle Fuller, Chris Carson, Damian Lewis, Carlos Hyde. Those are the guys who weren't full practice. That's limited or did not practice. If you notice, I, I listed three of four running backs in there. It's a mess. So <laughs> It's a mess, and that's a team that really is trying to be playing in a, a – this is when they want to get hot. They are in a good spot in their division, and you want to go into the playoffs healthy and, and ready to hit the ground running. You know, That's not what you want your injury report to look like. You want it to look a little bit more like ours. So if you're the Seattle Seahawks and you're looking at say, – say you're Pete Carroll. Um, you're looking at this game against the Giants, and then you're looking at your injury report. Are you going to play it a little bit safe with some of your injured guys? Hoping that this is a win anyway. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> much more. It's a competitive division there. They're not going to, you know. I don't know. I, I think, I think you play full blast. You try to win, especially games at home where this is. You consider this a win. You want to get that win under your belt and then worry about it. If they they jump out to a 14, 17, 21 point lead, maybe. But I think they come out of the shoot trying to win. Oh, for sure. But it's just a matter of you've got guys who are questionable going into this game. Say, you know, Travis Homer. Okay, he's your third string running back. You sit him probably. But, you know, then you get into more interesting things like Trey Flowers has a hamstring injury. Those are tricky injuries. You don't want to aggravate that, especially long striders like corners. But he's your starting corner. If he can't go... You're looking at what DJ Reed? I think it's just I think each person is on an individual basis based on their situation, and I don't think that matters if they're the starter or the backup or 
situation of the game. It's if that guy is good to go, he's going to go. And if it's not, they're not going to think about, well, let's think of circumstance and time and place. I think it's just each person's assessed on, can they go right now? And that's how they'll do it. That's how any good organization should be. And really, you know, they should be thinking about what's best for the player too. Like they're not going to rush anybody back just because, but at the same time, I think all those other outside factors don't influence it at all. So, you know, I, I listed some guys like Trey Flowers, Travis Homer. The interesting ones to me are Dwayne Brown, Brandon Shell, and Jordan Simmons. And why? It's because that's two starting tackles and a, and a left guard. That Their official depth chart only lists one backup tackle, and that's Cedric Agbui. Now, if I remember right... Jamarco Jones played right tackle in college for Ohio State. Is that right? Hang on. I think I'm right. Holy shit, that's sad. Desiree, you need a life. He played left tackle. Left tackle. <laughs> I was slightly off. He played left tackle oh, in Ohio my God. State. Um, he wasn't great. But I, I remember doing work on him, draft analysis for him, and thinking that he might make a transition to right tackle. They have him listed as right guard, which you know that that's uh, that's usually what happens to tackles who can't get their footwork in order. But he's got some familiarity with the position. Should Shell and Brown need to leave the game? Um, but now we're looking at a possibility of playing against two backup tackles. So this is actually a winnable game, even with Colt McCoy. Um, Seattle is not playing great in general. They're not playing their best football that they played this year or this past couple years, and uh, they're a little banged up right now. It's it's you know even inept Philadelphia was able to keep that game very close on uh, what was it Monday? <laughs> you see, that sounds like a call out like the Trump would say, like you know crooked Hillary, <laughs> inept Philly. <laughs> well, I mean. They, I say inept because they did so many good things defensively and then offensively I, I don't even know I, I mean I, I I feel bad for Carson Wentz he really is doing anything and everything he can back there but I mean you watch that game and I think on like 70% of snaps he's running for his life I mean I'm not that's obviously not actual math but it really he no I think that's pretty that's pretty close I mean that's the way it certainly feels yeah. And that's that's game to game. I'm not just talking about Monday. I just mean game to game. He is running for his life. Um, but you know, I don't really think that Seattle's defense is something I'm particularly afraid of. I mean, the defenses we've got, the defensive lines we've gone up against with with Philly, with Washington, uh, Pittsburgh. I think those are better defensive lines than with Seattle. I mean, Puna Ford, Jaron Reed, L.J. Collier. Well, that was my point. That was my point in the beginning. Was this is not the same Seattle team that would scare the shit out of us? Like if we played there three years ago, you can forget it. And also, another thing too that makes that defense intimidating is that stadium itself, the noise. You know, I don't believe they have any fans there now. And you know, I think it's been kind of proven now that the crowd noise that they've been pumping in has really had no effect on anything. So yeah, I, I think. Without actually seeing any science on it, it doesn't appear to have affected anything. And like, even if they do have fans there, it's not going to mean a different. As long as they're not at max capacity, it, it means nothing that there's fans there, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so 
you know, I, I'm 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 not as worried about McCoy. You know, we we talked a little bit about this. Um, Colt McCoy is not he he's not he, he's not Ryan Finley coming off the bench. You know what I mean? He is a guy who's been a veteran in this league. He was, you know, he drafted by Cleveland, I believe. Um, he played really good ball at Texas. I mean, he may not be a franchise quarterback. He may not even be a guy who can win you games down the stretch if needed, but he's not inept. He's not somebody where it's like, oh, I guess we're just running the ball and doing trick plays now. You know, he's he's a capable NFL quarterback. He can throw a deep ball. You know what I mean? He's not... He's not just some scrub. He's he's actually a decent quarterback. Um, and I hope, my hope is that Jason Garrett and, and Joe Judge see that as well. I know that they play a little bit conservative with Daniel Jones because probably confidence issues, probably some install issues, probably some young team in general issues, probably some offensive line issues. And, you know, I hope that they aren't afraid to open up the playbook with Colt McCoy just because he's not your franchise quarterback. Well, we'll, we'll see. I mean, you know, we don't know behind the scenes what goes on in practice either this year too. I mean, this is this is not a year where you're going to get a sneak peek behind the curtain and say, oh, you know, when Daniel Jones was struggling earlier in the year, was Colt McCoy getting more snaps with the ones than maybe he normally would have? Uh, we don't know. I don't think so. Uh, but... You never know. I mean, that's something that, you know, again, you're never going to get, you're going to get a rosy picture from your coaching staff regardless. And, you know, it's possible that he's had more, uh, you know, exposure to the offense and more reps than, than we thought. So, I, I, again, you're right. It's not like a situation where we're Denver this week and all of a sudden we have to throw, you know, basically a left guard to play quarterback or anything. But, um yeah, I mean, if they said Daniel Jones was out for the year and you were relying on Colt McCoy, you probably can forget it. To have us get through, you know, uh, five quarters, which might be what was required from him, I think we can maybe get away with it. And especially since the running game is showing some signs of life and the defense has been keeping us in games regardless. Oh, all year. All year the defense has been assisting the offense to coming to life, to finding their identity and – you know, so mm-hmm. I am much more worried about, in this instance, the defense and the offense. And I know that Colt McCoy is our quarterback and and whatever. But you know, I look at I look at it's unfortunate that we don't have a natural deep passer with with great accuracy and, and, a, and a strong arm like Daniel Jones because the Seahawks do have a mediocre secondary. Considering that Jamal Adams is usually a little bit closer to the line of scrimmage. Or at least that's how they've been using him so far. It's not like he's been in Seattle for six years or anything. But on the flip side, Seattle does have a very good group of linebackers with, with Dunlap, Brooks, Wagner, Wright, and and Adams for that matter might as well be considered in that group because what that's going to do is that's going to make our short passing game that we seem to rely on so much so much more difficult. Anything in front of the linebackers that allows them to play downhill is going to be really difficult to do. I don't want to say spell disaster, but I kind of want to say spell disaster. I mean, I'm seeing (laughs) passes that might be a problem. Um, And and just in general, if wide receivers are getting hammered over the middle, they're going to start alligator arming. I don't care how tough they are. You know, it's just something that's going to happen. Um, And 
you know, like I said, I hope that because of that, I hope that Garrett isn't afraid or judge whoever has the final say on this kind of thing isn't afraid to throw the deep ball, keep the defense on their toes. Don't always go to the quick pass. And that doesn't mean checkdowns. I mean the quick the quick slants and and little little out routes and things like that, running backs into the flat. Um I I hope that they're spreading the offense out a little bit. You know, supplementing the deep ball with a steady running game is going to help tremendously, but I don't expect to see many rushes going for more than 4 yards a, a, a carry. You know, like we've been seeing the last couple of weeks we've been seeing Morris and Gallman ripping off runs of eight yards or more. Um, I don't think we're going to see a whole lot of that just because these linebackers are so good. All of them. Mm-hmm. And also they're going to be creeping up more too, not expecting, you know, as much of a, of a vertical passing game as we might have with Daniel Jones too. Yeah. And um, just, just as something, you know, Bobby Wagner for me is a guy that I don't think it's talked about enough. I think Bobby Wagner has been the most consistent all-around linebacker in the league for so long now. I mean, I I don't know a linebacker that's better covering the pass, rushing the quarterback, and playing the run. You know what I mean? Like, is there anybody that, that that's that steady? He's such a good pass defender. And, and for some reason, maybe it's just because we're on the East Coast, but he's just not talked about enough, in my opinion. Yeah, he's been a lynch... A linchpin of that defense for a while, and you're right. It just seems like you think of collectively the, the Seattle defense, but not, you know. I guess there's other names that just took up much of the oxygen when you, you know in the conversation for their defense. You know, going back for years. But uh, yeah, he's solid. It's it's it's, it's a, something we got to worry about. For that matter, you know, like I said, Jamal Adams plays a lot near the line of scrimmage in general. You know, Jamal Adams is a very very good football player in general. I mean, this is a guy who came out of college and it's it's more than just ability. It's instincts and intelligence. He's right up there. I mean, he know it's not just his there's a lot of guys that have his talent level. Um, a lot of guys. There are other guys that have his talent level. They don't all have the instincts to know when to rush the quarterback. You know, he just has a good feel for everything. And for what it's worth, Philadelphia they had no answer for him. None. I mean, I know that they have a shit offensive line and, you know, I could I could talk for – if you want, I could do a whole podcast episode just on how much Philly sucks. I, I would make me happy. But for <laughs> real, it didn't – there was no way to adjust for them. I mean he was just in Wentz's face constantly and when he wasn't, he was hammering whoever he was throwing to. I mean it was just not for nothing but last year when we played the Jets, we had no answer for him. I mean we've all seen the highlight of him – Rushing Jones and just literally ripping the ball right out of his hands. Um, that's going to be something that's going to concern me a little bit. I'm hoping that this coaching staff is a little bit more prepared for him. They seem to have been. We haven't been embarrassed other than the San Francisco game this year. I don't think there's any. There's been a single game this year where we were like, "Man, we just had no answer for that guy, or we made no adjustment for him." Is there? I can't. I can't think of anything. Yeah, but I mean that's something. If I want to go through the entire league, you could say, especially in this crazy year, everybody's had that turd in the punch bowl, other than Pittsburgh. I mean, really. So I mean, it's going to happen. I mean, I think it's a real testament to this coaching staff and to this roster that you know the competitiveness of this team the entire season is really something that none of us expected, and you know it just seemed kind of 
the optics looked a little strange with that, you know, 49er game of, of all games where they were so banged up and it was a home game and all this and that and everything. But, you know, you're right. There has not really been one game where you can say they were non-competitive physically and more importantly, I think right now from a coaching staff perspective, I, I, I felt like this coaching staff has put this team in the best position to win preparation during the week and for the three hours during a game too. I think so too. I'm trying to think if there was any particular player that just totally gashed us and we had no answer for it. I mean, maybe maybe that Philly game with um, Boston Scott, maybe, maybe, I don't know. But yeah, but that was a you know that was a, a factor of a lot of things. You know, there was the, the time possession. I think took its toll. You know, at the end of the game, they were they were ran out of gas and mo- momentum has a has a, a play into it. And you know, it happens. But I wouldn't say that was because of the outcoaches. No, I don't think so. Or anything. I, I think I think I just think you know it just took its toll all, all the time. I'm a little bit more worried about on the defensive side, and I say that because we've had the benefit of playing either teams with significant injury, with um, I guess bad quarterbacks, young quarterbacks, or uh, just overwhelmed quarterbacks like Carson Wentz, who I, I think is neither bad or young, but just trying to do too much. The victim of his circumstance. This is a time where Russell Wilson has played with worse offensive lines and he is no stranger to to reading defenses. And even if he can't read them, his ability to extend the play, just, you know, he's so good at not just running. You know, he, he scrambles out, keeps his eyes downfield, stays behind the line of scrimmage. At that point, it's not even, you don't even have to read coverage anymore. It's just, is he open? You know what I mean? It's it's the the routes don't matter anymore. It's like whose line? You know the points don't matter. It just it it just becomes street ball, and that's where I'm a little worried because we've had the advantage, or at least Patrick Graham has had the advantage of hitting these quarterbacks who are quick throw, quick read guys with disguises, and when you can disguise things, then you can fluster them. With with Russell Wilson, it's going to take a lot more than that. It's going to need to be disguised, and we're going to need to rush him immediately and from multiple angles. One guy trying to bring him down is not going to do it, and you know we've got to either like keep him in the pocket. I don't really know what to do. I, um, but Russell Wilson scares me. I mean, he's I would say the best, the hardest quarterback that we've had to deal with so far this year. I think. Oh. Uh, for the multitude of things that he does and the skill set he does, I would say so for sure. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to be interesting to see how Graham decides to defend. You know, he he may use a spy, but I mean, I don't know if it's just me, but it feels like Wilson hasn't had hasn't been running as much as he did in his younger days, right? I mean, they've kind of made an investment to keep him upright, keep him from... Like, it, it doesn't feel like... When, when he was, like... I don't want to say a rookie, but when he was in his first couple of years, it felt like there were a lot more designed runs. And even when they weren't designed runs, it felt like he was taking off a little bit more. Now it feels like he's only got, like, a couple rushes per game, and it's only when things are really opened up. Um, so I don't know if a spy is completely necessary on him. Yeah, it's not like dealing with Kyler Murray right now. I think it's just you're dealing with – it's almost you're dealing closer with more of an Aaron Rodgers type than almost than you're dealing with a, the Kyler Murray where 
you better be careful if he, you know, you if he sees some daylight, he's going to take off. But it's not his first or second read. It's you know he does it out of necessity more than anything. Yeah, absolutely. And he has that athleticism to to do something with it. But he's going for the chunk. He's not looking for the eight yard run because you've got your back turned. He's looking for the thirty yard bomb that he can still get off because you know he can just stay behind the line of scrimmage and let things develop or, or whatever. Um, so I'm not really sure if a spy is going to – I mean at the same time though, if you have somebody just spying on him, you can kind of force those quick th- those those quicker decisions when he's outside the pocket. So I think there might be a mix of that. The, the thing is is that the emergence of Xavier McKinney might allow for something like that. You know, he's been kind of eased in. He had only like five or six or something defensive snaps last week but – you know, he might come in there for, say, 10 plays, and maybe he plays spy. I mean, it's not all that difficult. It's not a whole lot of thinking that goes on if you're a spy. Right. So, you know, that might be something we see, you know, with him being able to rotate with Logan Ryan and Jabril Peppers as kind of interchangeable positions. Or do you want to do you want to throw him into the fire like that and have a guy like Wilson just make you look silly and shatter confidence too? Well, I mean, like I said, that's why I wouldn't really necessarily put him in coverage. I'd rather put him as a spy because, again, all you really have to do is just kind of shadow him and then know when. It's a quick coach up on when to rush him and when to stay back and just knowing where the sticks are is really a big part of that. You know, it's not it's not too much like knowing the coverage, knowing who you've got, having to audible and, and all that kind of stuff where he can kind of make you silly. He can, he can look you off really well. Spying is – among the easier things a defender is going to have to do. So, you know, that might be something we see, but it also may not be. I'm just, you know, I'm a little worried about defensively because it seems the Giants' run defense has cooled off a little bit recently. I know last week is kind of a, a wash to me. I mean, you play you play a team with a, a third-string quarterback and, you know... Well, of course you should be. Yeah, you with. load the box yeah. up and away we go. Yeah, the defense was dominant last week, but I, I take that as the outlier. Um, they've just cooled off a little bit in the last couple weeks. You know, we've been getting closer and closer to those hundred plus running games uh, uh, yards on the ground defensively, and it's not really where you're going to be when you're not a very good football team. You need to be dominant somewhere, um, and I'm a little worried about about that and the fact that DK Metcalf and and Tyler Lockett are just very good wide receivers, and we've kind of only got one very good corner. I mean, it's just this has the potential to get ugly pretty quickly. You know, let's not, you know, don't uh, don't sell Seattle short at all. I mean, this is a very still a very dangerous team that could be a a, a nightmare, you know, matchup for us if if, that, if that's the case. So, um, are you ready to give a prediction? Yeah, I think there is a a potential for the Giants to win this one. If they're going to do that, they're going to have to. F- they're going to have to get to Russell Wilson. It's part of what kept Philadelphia in this game so well. Is they really they really shut down the run game and they got in Russell Wilson's face. They sacked him a couple times, other times tackled him for about a one-yard gain, etc. But they got burned with DK Metcalf really bad. I mean, Darius Slay had a, a game he'd like to forget. Um, unfortunately, I don't really see the Giants. They don't have, in my opinion, as good a pass rushers as Philadelphia I think running game wise, we're sort of comparable to them, uh, but you know, it just, I, I, I just, I see this as a struggle defensively, especially when you turn to the other side of the ball and you've got Colt McCoy back there on offense, not able to really 
bleed the clock. I feel like a lot of pressure is going to go on the defense and time of possession is going to start tipping towards the Seahawks. And Score-wise, I don't think this one's going to get too bad. But, um, I mean, when you look at it from the end, but I think we're going to score some garbage time points. And I think this one ends up being something like 23-13 Seattle. Yeah, I'm going to go with the theory of Optum's Razor where, you know, the easiest explanation is usually the right one. You know, there's a lot of ways we could potentially win this game and you just outline them all. But to me, the most likely scenario is that we are going to struggle offensively that, um, you know, Colt McCoy won't be a disaster. He won't throw 12 picks, but, you know, it may be a challenge for this offense to consistently move the ball at all. And, uh, you know, I think this coaching staff, I have a hunch, will play closer to the vest, you will see a lot more little, you know, two yard outs and throwing, you know, behind the line of scrimmage and and doing things to play for first downs as opposed to trying to open things up and and air it out at all. So um, as much as, you know, I I didn't think there was much of a chance to win this game. You know, we we go back to our predictions back in the summer. I probably had this one as a loss in pen. Um, I'm sticking with this as a loss in pen. Um, we won't embarrass ourselves, but we're just not good enough to play a team like this without, at, you know, at, at optimal peak efficiency. Um, I have a score very similar to yours. I see a 24-10 game, us losing. Yeah, it's unfortunate because, like I said, I think if Daniel Jones is in this game completely healthy as if he had if he, if he were going into this game the way he went into last week's game, I think this is actually a very winnable game, the way Seattle's been playing, the way they're banged up a little bit right now. Um, I think it's a much closer game, but unfortunately that's just not where we're at, and I'm not going to get my hopes up that he's going to even be active for this game. Yeah. So the important thing is, after this game, whether it's a blowout or it's closer, like we're saying score-wise, and you know we can make the argument that we were quote-unquote in it uh, until <laughs> the, the end of the fourth quarter there, it's important to just take a step back, realize what that game was, where we were week one. It's okay if we lost this game. We're still in the hunt. And it's okay, quite frankly, if we don't make the playoffs this year. I mean, inside of me, there's a fire burning that I want to win this division. But I have to always take a step back and breathe and look at where we were week one, how I felt week one, versus how I feel now. What I, what I felt like going into that Bengals game. I, I want to see from this point to the end of the year, I want to see another leap. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to translate into wins, but you know we've made some pretty significant strides from week one to week now. And I want to see from week now until week then, I want to see a, the next leap. This team has now played together for September, October, November, going into its fourth month. You know, the, you know, they... We had we didn't have an off season, but you know we've been playing enough together. The coaching staff has, you know, fully in, in, integrated what they want to do. This coach, this team is buying into what they are. We're relatively healthy. I, I, I don't want to see us limping into the end of the season, and I don't mean that again by well we lost three out of four. We didn't make the playoffs. I want to see this team competing and getting better still for these next four games. And that's really what I'm looking for more than anything else. You know, if we, we, we win the division, fantastic. It's another week of practice. You know, every chance this team can be together to get better for, you know, this week, next week, next year is advantageous. Um, 
You know, so I, I just I just want to see you know going forward, it seem continuing getting better and taking that next step. Uh, you know, wins and losses and playoffs are icing on the cake. Let's see how they look starting right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, round the division real quick. Philadelphia at Green Bay. How do we feel? <laughs> That's really enjoyable watching. Would you call them? Crappy. Inept Philadelphia. Inept, inept Philly. Yeah. Watching them week after week. And, you know, this might be a real woodshed game. I, I had this as a, you know, Green Bay in a, in a magic marker. Yeah. I think, I think, uh, oh my God, who was it? Was it Moses? Was it with the stone, the commandments? Who the hell had the commandments? Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, 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 Jesus. It was Moses. It was yeah. Moses, right? I think that was the, the, the stone that broke, the stone tablet was, was etched in there. Green Bay wins this game. He just he just dropped it on the ground, so we haven't seen it. So we have a History of the World Part 1 reference is what we're doing here? That is a great movie. Um, yes. <laughs> uh, Washington at Pittsburgh. Well, <laughs> Pittsburgh is playing on what, three days rest? Yeah. Something like that, that yeah. That could make things interesting. You know, it's a – they. where are they in their division? How many games up are they right now? Who? Pittsburgh? Yeah. All right, so they're three games up with four to go. So they have not officially clinched the division yet, uh, but they're very close. Uh, with that short, short turnaround time, it would not shock me if Washington hangs really close with, with Pittsburgh – um, so I'm going to put this as Pittsburgh in pencil just because of the situation surrounding the game. It's important to know D- Bud Dupree tore an ACL on Wednesday, yesterday. At the very end of the game, too. It was kind of like in garbage yeah, time. a completely worthless play. Yeah, yeah. I, and again, I, I'm, I'm just saying that just because of the situation. Uh, not if they you line them up on a normal Sunday, it'd be a woodshed, but, uh, you know. I'm going to put this in pencil. I, I wouldn't bet on you. This. Yeah, I, I think Pittsburgh still wins this game just based on better quarterback play. I think Ben Roethlisberger is just smarter. He's a little bit more of a – I mean a little bit more. He's a veteran quarterback. He knows how to do things. They're a talented team. Um, but with no rest, no ability to really game plan or, or practice, and through no fault of their own either, which sucks. But I just – Hey, this is, this is 2020, you know? Yeah. yeah. I, I mean I, I've – I don't know. I think it'll be close. It may it may even go to overtime, and Washington may even win this game. But I, I still feel Washington – Ron Rivera as a coach hasn't really wowed me this year. He's made a lot of really dumbass decisions. Um, he knows something. His dumb decision probably cost him the division. Yeah. You know, this is in the in the giant game. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. They'd, they'd be in first place right now. Um, and every single – I mean the division win aside, every single win is going to count for something in this – division race here um but yeah like i said they're not very talented they're not even playing their best quarterback right now um pittsburgh is just a little bit more talented i think they might be able to win on sheer talent but it'll be close dallas at baltimore baltimore and penn i mean dallas is yeah i think uh you know What's well? First of all, what's the Lamar Jackson story? Well, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I think this Dallas team is done. <laughs> I really do. Uh, I, 
I, I'm, I'm sticking with, with, with Baltimore and Penn. I, I, I think there's going to be some wholesale massive changes to Dallas in this offseason. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if Mike Nolan's going to be back next year. Uh, you know, we don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be next year. We don't know anything. Uh, but I think this season is over for them. Uh, Baltimore, you know, Lamar Jackson, obviously, their their success the rest of the year obviously hinges on him coming back and when he does and everything. But it, it'll be more than enough to take care of Dallas. I think Dallas is a little bit better than people think this week and a little bit worse than people thought the week before. You know, everybody seems to be very reactionary with Dallas because it's Dallas and it's always big news whether they're good or bad. It's just always news. I think the the truth is just somewhere in the middle and right now Baltimore is on that same three days rest. You know, I don't know if Lamar Jackson's gonna play. I don't know who whoa, 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 play. No, wait a minute though. They moved that game. That game isn't uh that game's Tuesday now, isn't it? Oh, I thought it was Monday. I think they moved that You're to Tuesday. Right, it's Tuesday. I changed yeah. my mind. It is I'm I'm gonna say Baltimore now. Um that said, uh, with the extra rest, I think some guys are probably going to come off of the COVID list. Some of those guys who were not able to play against Pittsburgh just to get that game played and over with, they'll be able to get back. And yeah, I, I think you're right. Dallas is really – the players have quit at this point. Even though in the standings, they're right there. <laughs> um, I just – yeah. If Lamar Jackson plays, it's a blowout. If he doesn't play, I think Baltimore still wins, but – I think it'll be. I, th- I think it'll be a little bit closer. I do think that they're not as bad as people are making them out to be right now, and they're not as good as they were making them out to be the week before. Where the momentum doesn't fucking swing like that in the league; it just swings like that in the media. That's the way I see it, anyway. Um, so there you have it. We have right now a NFC East sweep this week. All four teams lose. That's our prediction this week. <laughs> well, I mean, considering what this division is, that really shouldn't shock anybody. But yeah, yeah, and and to be fair, they're playing all very good teams. One's undefeated. The other's real close. Seattle's pretty close. I mean, Baltimore is really good. So, I mean, these are all really good teams. Um, two eight and three. One's eleven and zero. One six and five. But you know, they kind of had a a wild fifth loss there. Um, which would mean if, if the Giants lose this game, don't fret if the entire division loses anyway. Nothing changes. That's true. We're, we're running out of weeks, you know, so it's, uh, you know, if we lose and everybody else loses, all that does is just, you know, shorten everything up and it's just it's to our advantage. I mean, Washington's the team that needs to make up a game on us. And if you're going from four weeks left to three weeks left and they couldn't make up any ground... You know, they're running out of time. So with that, we will see you all on Sunday. Uh, I will be live tweeting throughout the game at 4.05 at CenturyLink Stadium. I will be tweeting at football underscore grump, so follow me there on Twitter for mid-game action, I guess. It's Florida-Tennessee week, boys and, and ladies out there, where Florida will be absolutely beating the holy living shit out of Tennessee, which we all enjoy. So that'll be Saturday's excitement on Twitter at the cranky fan. And then Sunday we'll uh, hunker down and get through this giant game on Sunday. So for all your fun discussion about football and, you know, basketball coming up soon and everything, follow me at the cranky fan. Nice. And as always, this podcast can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, Google play. 
you name it, that's where it is. So be sure to subscribe there for free. So all these episodes are in your queue every single Tuesday and Friday morning. Um, and you don't have to go searching for it. Yeah, we give it right to you. Isn't technology grand? Yeah. With that, everybody, we'll see you on Sunday. Go, go Giants. Giants.